Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of It's Football, Not Soccer, a podcast dedicated to the beautiful game. We've gone through into the second week of the new year, and to say the least, it has been an exciting one. With what, with all the roster moves and the looming return of various levels of football from their winter breaks. In today's episode, we're going to kick it off by looking at the Mexican leagues as Liga MX gears up to get back into action today, while La Liga de Expansión MX and Liga MX Femenil move into their second match days of the Clausura. From there, we're going to take a look at the Bundesliga as it returns from its winter break today, and then we'll take a look at the transfer window chaos that has happened in the last week before quickly previewing the NWSL draft that will happen tonight. Without further ado, let's get into it. Starting off with the top flight, after a good bit of waiting, Mexico's top flight returns to action this weekend, with it all starting tonight in a double header. Tonight we're going to see Querétaro host Toluca at 6 o'clock in the evening Mountain Standard Time, and later we're going to see Mazatlan take on San Luis at 8 p.m. Tomorrow we're going to have some good matches as Cruz Azul will play Pachuca, and Chivas will host Santos Laguna at the 6 o'clock window, before Monterrey will take on Puebla, and Tijuana will host the reigning champions America in the 8 o'clock window. Sunday, we're going to have a pair of matches as Pumas de Unam host Juarez at 11 in the morning, and then Necaxa take on Atlas at 5 in the evening. The match day itself will finally end on Wednesday due to some interesting scheduling, as Leon will take on Tigres at 6 in the evening. My pick of this match day will follow, much as it had in last week's previews of the other leagues, as it will be Tijuana versus América, the first outing of the reigning champions. Tijuana finished the Apertura in 13th, while Las Aguilas finished at the top of the table, so it very easily could be a one-sided affair, but maybe we'll see some fireworks shoot off at El Estadio Caliente, maybe an upset, who knows. We'll see as América looks to open up their championship defense in winning fashion on the road in what should be a very good matchup. Moving on to the second level, Mexico's second level, they kicked off their first match day of the Clausura on Tuesday with a pair of one-all draws as Cimarrones de Sonora could not get any separation from Leones Negros, and then Atletico La Paz likewise ended up all even with Atletico Morelia. On Wednesday, we had more conclusive results. We saw Venados defeating Tapatio on the road 2-0 to open up their schedule with a win, and in my pick of the match day, we had ourselves an upset as Tlaxcala got the home victory over the reigning champions Cancun 1-0 at home. Juan Rangel gave Los Coyotes the game-winning goal in the 70th minute, and the defense did the rest. Tensions did flare in this game, though, however, in the second-half stoppage time, as three players were shown a red card within about three minutes of each other. Cancun's Germán Eguade picked up a second yellow to get the boot, and then his teammate José Vázquez picked up the straight red card only two minutes later. Tlaxcala likewise had Diego Aguilar sent off on the double yellow, meaning all three will be missing their next matches due to the suspension that comes with it. In the end, it was a fantastic match, minus, of course, the spilling over of tensions at the very end. But we're going to have to see if Las Iguanas can rebound in their next game, not exactly starting off their championship defense in the form that they would like. However, it was a very exciting game, a good game. I'm happy that my pick of the match day ended up being a, a good affair. Because after all, I was a bit worried that it was going to be lopsided, one-sided. But in the end, we had ourselves some good fun. 
Looking at yesterday's matches, the match day continued as we had a pair of very decisive matches. We had Tepatitlan picking up the win at home 2-0 over Dorados, and then Mineros de Zacatecas picking up a very handy defeat of Gordicaminos de la UAT at home 3-0 to open up the Clausura in winning fashion. The match day itself is actually not over. There is one match that is yet to be played in match day one of the 2024 Clausura, that being Atlante taking on Celaya this coming Sunday at 3.05 in the afternoon. Again, the interesting scheduling has kind of made its uh, impact known here in Mexico to start 2024. This is going to be a trend if y'all are any aware, especially after watching and listening into last half of the season, you know, it's going to be some very interesting scheduling, but we're going to see ourselves some good affairs, some good matchups, but again, match day one will wrap up on Sunday a little later, and I believe than expected, to be honest. Match day two, though, will remain as funky as this one. We're kind of going to make this the pattern for the foreseeable future, as match day two will kick off on Tuesday, just like as it did this week with match day one. We're going to have a pair of matches. That's going to be the pattern, a 6 and 8 o'clock affair. 6 o'clock matchup for this coming Tuesday will be Cancun versus Alebrijes de Oaxaca. And then Gorda Caminos will take on Tlaxcala at 8.05. So those are going to be the pair of matches there. Alebrijes getting their first game of the season. After all, it's a very interesting one. The La Liga de Expansión MX has an odd number of teams, only 15 teams. So there's always one team every week that kind of gets a bye. Um, and, well, last week it was Alebrijes, and they're back in the fold this coming week. On Wednesday, we're going to see Celaya take on La Paz in the 6 o'clock window, and then Dorados taking on Cimarones in the 8 o'clock time slot. Thursday, we're going to see Tepatitlan versus Venados at 6, and Mineros versus Tapatio at 8. My pick of the match day as a result will be Tepatitlan taking on Dorados as both teams currently sit tied for second in the table. In La Apertura, only two points separated the two teams as they finished 5th and 8th respectively in the final table, meaning we should see a pretty even affair all things considered. Both teams showed that they could score in this last week, so we're going to see which defenses raise step up. Something of note, though, is that Venelos actually blew out Tepatitlan 5-1 last time they met in September of 2023, so we'll see if that form does continue, carries over into the 2024 side of the season. And of course, the head-to-head -head is not very much in the favor of Tepatitlan. Either, either Venados currently lead that head-to-head -head matchup, of course, especially thanks to affairs such as their last time bumping into each other. However, we got ourselves a good set of games here for the second level of Mexican football, so it should be very exciting to see how these ones unfold. Moving on now to La Liga MX Femenil, the top level of Mexican women's football. They got into action last Friday during my day of travel, and it was a triple header that also included a very lopsided result. So first of all, we had Querétaro and Juarez ending in a one-all draw. And then the big, big result from this day, Pachuca blowing out Mazatlan on the road 5-0. Not a very competitive game. Pachuca dominated the entire affair. And as a result, five goals. That's going to be very handy for them in the goal differential later on in the season. Just you wait. 
The final game of Friday, though, Monterrey picked up the close home win over Puebla 1-0. And so with that, they moved into the Saturday games with the biggest grouping of games. So the games that took place on Saturday, we had Necaxa picking up the road win over Cruz Azul 2-0. América, the close victory at home over Atlas 2-1. Chivas, the home win against Tijuana, a very close one, 1-0. And then finally, Tigres defeating San Luis at home 1-0 in what was my pick of the match day, opening up the championship defense in winning fashion. Tigres, of course, they handled their business. It wasn't that much of an unexpected result for being honest. Stephanie Mayor once again making her impact for Tigres as she picked up the goal in the 23rd minute. And that was all that was needed in order to send the home crowd happy. And, you know, Tigres, they remain undefeated against San Luis. They have yet to even pick up a draw against San Luis. It has been very uneven in the head-to-head matchup. I was expecting this, of course. I think most paying attention to La Liga MX Femenil were expecting Tigres to get this victory, and what a surprise, they got themselves a quality victory. San Luis starts off their season with a loss, and we'll see how they rebound. After all, there are not nearly as many match days to determine position, so each one of these games matter. You know, in my mind, a lot of these games tend to matter a bit more. Um, the splitting of the season in a half and half that Mexico does does create some very interesting affairs just because of the fact that you don't have nearly as much time as in, for example, Germany, where the whole season, all of those games count to your position. If you're a team that's in the middle of the table by the midway point, you're probably not going to be able to move a whole lot in that regard. But if you're a team, you know, in the middle of the table here in Mexico by the midway point of the clausura or apertura, you're really going to have the chance to either go up or down. You're going to have a chance to fall or rise. So each of these games matter. So could be a tough result, maybe some foreboding here for San Luis. But we'll see what happens in next week's matchup if they can rebound. Um, Sunday, moving on to Sunday, the lone match of this game was honestly a snoozer or a laugher, depending on how you see it. Uh, Toluca blew out Santos at home 7-0. This game was not close at all. Really kind of a joke of a game. Toluca just absolutely dominant. Not the best way for Santos to open up their clausura. And they'll be looking to rebound next week. But ooh, that is what you call a demoralizing loss. Then finally, Monday. Match day wrapped up nice and evenly. Leon got them got themselves the 4-1 home victory over Pumas to wrap up match day one of the clausura. And so with that, we can now start taking a, taking a leak Taking a peek, my brain is in the wrong spot, my apologies. Taking a peek into the match day two, which actually kicked off yesterday, Thursday the 11th, as there was a trio of matches kicking off the match day early. Those results being Nakaxa, a one-all draw with América, Santos, a scoreless draw with Cruz Azul, and Tijuana, a handy 4-1 home victory over Mazatlan. The match day will actually resume during the day it's actually currently resuming during this podcast recording this is being recorded at about five o'clock mountain standard time we do have a match in progress as puebla are currently playing leon it is currently a one nil favor for leon over puebla at half time so something to keep an eye on there later in the day they're going to have another matchup it's going to be atlas taking on toluca at six o'clock Tomorrow, it's going to be another pair of matchups. We'll see Pumas versus Tigres at the 11 o'clock spot, and then Puechuca versus Monterrey at 5 in the evening. 
Sunday, we'll see the match day wrapped up as we're going to see San Luis take on Querétaro at 4, Juarez take on Chivas at 6. My pick for the remainder of this match day is going to be Pachuca versus Monterrey. Both teams currently sit three points after their wins in the last weekend. And both teams did finish the top eight in La Apertura. So last time these two teams faced off, it ended in an exciting two-all draw. We could honestly expect a similar affair this weekend. Of course, early on in the clausura, not a whole lot dividing any of the teams in the table. So it's a little chaotic in terms of picking a game of the match day. But I'm sure this one could honestly be a pretty exciting affair. Something to keep an eye out for come... Excuse me, come my my brain just paused there. Come tomorrow evening. It should be a good one there. However, we'll see what happens. Though it's gonna be a busy week for La Liga MX Femenil, because they're not gonna be done come Sunday, because next week, match day three, is going a be going to be a midweek match day. A very, very, very busy week indeed. As it'll kick off on Tuesday, we'll see Cruz Azul versus Mazatlan at 2.45 in the afternoon. That'll be the lone game of that day. Wednesday, we're going to see Toluca versus Pumas at 4. Tigres versus Santos at 6. And Atlas versus Leon at 8. Then on Thursday, we're going to see America versus Tijuana at 2.45. Pueblo versus Querétaro at Puebla versus Querétaro at 4. Pachuca versus Juarez at 6.06, a very particular start time there. Monterrey versus Necaxa at 8. And then Chivas versus San Luis at 8.10 p.m. So once again, a very, very, very busy weekend and week for La Liga MX Femenil. We're going to see how these standings change with a couple of match days all wrapping up in a very short form. We'll see how by next week's episode, what kind of chaos has been unveiled. And so moving on, we're going to move on to the top level of German football, the Bundesliga Match Day 17 as the top level of German football has returned to action today after its winter break. So we did have a match earlier in the day, the powerhouse that is Bayern Munich taking on Hoffenheim, and well, that result ended just about as everyone expected, a 3-0 dominant victory at home for Bayern Munich that helps them try to keep close on the table with Bayer Leverkusen, the current front runners. but again, very expected result, but now we are back into German football action, the Bundesliga has returned. Looking ahead at the rest of the matches this weekend, we're going to see tomorrow, Köln take on Heidenheim, Augsburg versus Bayer Leverkusen, Mainz versus Wolfsburg, Red Bulls Leipzig versus Eintracht Frankfurt, Freiburg versus Union Berlin in the 7.30 in the morning slots, then it'll be Darmstadt versus Borussia Dortmund in the prime time 10.30 in the morning game. Sunday, we're going to see the match day wrap up with Bochum versus Werder Bremen in the 7.30 a.m. early slot. And then Borussia Mönchengladbach versus Stuttgart in the 9.30 prime time slot. My pick of this match day is going to be Bochum versus Werder Bremen. While Leipzig versus Frankfurt does sound like an exciting match on paper, given the fact that they're positioned currently 4th and 6th respectively on the table, my issue is the fact that there's a pretty solid point gap between these teams. Nine points between them. It's not really that close. And even fifth place Borussia Dortmund, they're not exactly that close to really making an impact in like trying to grasp at Leipzig's place in the table. So in my mind, that kind of does take away from some of the intensity. I'm sure it's going to be a good game. However, I do think that the matchup between Bochum and Bremen will have a lot more going. Looking specifically at these two teams, 
Both of them are currently tied with 16 points apiece, only separated by goal differential. Both teams aren't very far apart in terms of average goals per game. Bauckham, 1.1 goals per game, and Werder Bremen, 1.4. Major fact to me in this matchup is the fact that Bauckham have done very well excuse me, in defending their home territory as of late, as they are currently undefeated in their last six matches at home. Whereas Werder Bremen have actually struggled on the road. They have not won a game in seven chances on the road. So it's actually going to be a pretty big home field advantage, in my opinion, for the Blues coming up this weekend. Because after all, two very opposite kinds of form going into this matchup. Werder Bremen does have the advantage on the head-to-head. But again, sometimes the head-to-head doesn't really matter after a while, especially with how the form is. But then again... They're also coming off of their winter breaks. Maybe these bouts of form that they had entering the winter break really become insignificant in the grand scheme of things as we look into what's coming up. We're ultimately going to see. However, we do got ourselves a good game this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping for a close and exciting affair. We will have to wait and see. But... That will wrap up the re- the previews and reviews of this episode because, unfortunately, German football, we are still kind of waiting for the other levels to come back in action. The two Bundesliga, the second level of German football, does not resume until next Friday, the 19th, so we will get into detail on there in next week's episode. And then from there, the Frauen Bundesliga, the, t- the top women's league, does not get back into action until the 26th, so it'll be two more weeks until we can talk about the top women's league in Germany. So it is a bit of time there. And so with that, we're going to actually move into quickly talking about the January transfer window and just a bunch of moves. We're going to give a bit more detail on Mexico, because after all, that is one of the emphases of these of this podcast. And then we're going to talk about the top transfers that have happened in this last week in the Bundesliga. There have been some really interesting ones that have happened, honestly. So starting off, we're going to look at some transfers that happened on the 4th of January, which was the when I recorded last week's episode due to my traveling that I did last Friday. A lot of it, it was a really good traveling overall, uh, very chaotic towards the end, but that's for a different story. Um, regardless, we're going to take a look at what we saw happen in the transfer window for La Liga MX, starting off with a trio moves on the 4th of January. So we did see Santos. They sent Santiago Ramirez to second level of Venados. They did not disclose a fee on that one. Leon did loan out Bayern Castillo to the Uruguayan squad Peñarol. And then Toluca sent Jesus Venegas to Juarez for an undisclosed fee. So a couple of just small transfers there to open up the last week. Fifth was also a pretty quiet deal overall. Uh, Cruz Azul made a deal with the Russian team Krasnodar to send Kevin Castano out there to Russia in return for about 7.4 million euros or about 8.0 million US dollars. While Monterrey made a move picking up Jorge Rodriguez from Argentina's Estudiantes for 3.3 million euros or about 3.61 million US dollars. So a couple of small moves there. Um, Kevin Castano, though, I'm, you know, that's kind of rough getting sent out to Russia. Um, I don't know. That's a bit of an interesting situation playing for. A league that is currently not really have doesn't really have a whole lot going for it. You get maybe a title, but due to obvious world events, um, Russian the Russian league has been banned from European competition for a while. So it's not like anything that goes on there will be 
really much for Sony, but hey, 7.4 million euros, a decent decent fee for uh, Cruz Azul to pick up, but yeah, I don't know, pour one out for Kevin Castano being sent off to the Russian Premier League. Afterwards, we only had one move actually take place on the 6th of January this month. We saw Lucas Daniel Cavallini joining Puebla on a free transfer for a fee of about 2.3 million euros, 2.52 million US dollars. 31-year-old Canadian striker played in 12 matches for Tijuana this past fall, mostly as a bench piece. He did pick up one goal off the bench. Likely, he's going to have a similar role in Puebla, but we'll have to wait and see if the Canadian moves down. Well, man, yeah, he moves down south, just a wee bit more south from TJ. Seventh of this month was also a quiet day. Leon just made the only move this day, sending off Borja Sanchez to Spain, the Real Oviedo, for yet again another undisclosed fee. Monday, we did have a couple of moves. Monterrey sent Luis Sanchez to second level Morelia for an undisclosed fee. And then Leon picked up Gonzalo Napoli from Uruguay's Liverpool for a cheap 1.8 million euros or about 1.97 US dollars. I will still never get over the fact that Uruguay has a Liverpool FC. Sometimes there's just those double names, man. Tuesday was actually a pretty busy day, all things considered. We had Chivas loaning Santiago Ormeno to Puebla, Leon shipping off Luis Daniel Romero to Brazil's Crucero for just 900,000 euros or about 985,000 US dollars, so a pretty cheap fee there. Tigres loaned out Vladimir Lorona to Santos. And then Chivas making another move throughout this window, sending Angel Zaldivar to Juarez for an undisclosed fee. And then later on, we saw Venados actually sending a player to the upper level, Querétaro, Fernando Tapia moving up to the top flight for an undisclosed fee. Wednesday had another good mix of matches, not matches, transfers. We started off with Jean Murillo being sent from Chile's San Luis to Atlas on a loan. Necaxa then sent Vicente Poggi to Argentina's Godoy Cruz on a loan. Pumas then transferred Arturo Ortiz to Juarez for an undisclosed fee. Chivas sent Manuel Mayorga to Necaxa for an undisclosed fee. And honestly, the move of the day, in my opinion, was Monterrey picking up Brandon Vasquez from Major League Soccer's Cincinnati for 6.9 million euros. And I just realized I did not... uh, put that I did not transfer that uh, well translate it um, six point I did not say this is so terrible 6.9 million euros is approximately 7.55 million US dollars there we go my apologies for for some reason missing that one fee and putting it in US dollars. But yeah, pretty lengthy cost there for Monterrey picking up a overall solid piece there. Vasquez is a big move. 25-year-old American striker. He has been trying a good while to try and gain a steady foothold in the US men's national team. And hey, who knows? Potentially his time in Mexico could aid him. 33 matches this last season where he did start 31 of those games. Picked up eight goals and a pair of assists, meaning he does have the ability to be an every-game starter. We'll have to see whether or not he will slot into Monterrey's system this coming, uh, se- you know, this coming half of the season. It's an interesting move. 
You know, I've seen Vasquez play just briefly for the U.S. men's national team because I do pay attention to those games. After all, living in the United States, I do like to pay attention to the national team, even if they are hilariously underwhelming under Greg Berhalter. It's just the way it goes. But I do remember seeing Vasquez play a couple times. He did never really wow me, but that's kind of usually the trend for American players, if I'm being honest. But hey, maybe, just maybe, this change will help him out, get him into a much more steady part, get him into steady form, so that way if he does get called up to the U.S. national team, he can make an impact a bit more there. But definitely this has to be probably the biggest move of this transfer window thus far, in my opinion, because after all, you know, we've had some big moves, we've had some honestly solid moves, but especially in this week, the Brandon Vasquez move is probably one of the biggest ones. Um... Honestly, if we're being you know, if we're being honest, this is actually kind of big for him because he is moving into a more competitive league. MLS is not one of those leagues that we usually like to attribute as being a strong league. It is a decently strong league, but Liga MX does beat it out by a good bit. So, hey, if he produces for Monterrey, could very easily you know draw some attention, some more attention, revitalize that attention, especially on the international stage, and maybe just maybe he's able to get called up and. Maybe he's able to move on from there. Who knows? But playing in La Liga MX does give a bit of a legitimacy. So we shall see what happens. Whether or not he becomes an everyday, uh, every game starter from Monterrey, we will see. But honestly, this has to be one of the more interesting moves to me, this transfer window. Yesterday, wrapping up with the Liga MX moves, just three moves. Two of them did include America. So America, they loaned out Ralph Orquín to Juárez. And they picked up Ilian Hernandez from Pachuca on a loan as well. So loan a guy out, pick up a guy on loan. And the last move in this window thus far for the recapping is Pumas sending Juan Dineno to Cruzeiro of Brazil for a million euros flat or 1.09 million US dollars. And so that wraps up this week's looking at the Liga MX transfer window. And so with that, we're going to move over to the top moves of the Bundesliga because we've actually had some really big moves this week. So, starting off, we're going to the ninth. Had a pair of moves. First of all, Frankfurt made a big move as they retained Robin Koch, who had previously been picked up from Leeds United on a loan, but now he's come over on a free transfer, meaning he can actually continue his good form as one of the top defenders for Frankfurt this season. He's been very, very good, and keeping him on there will help Frankfurt. They're currently trying to make a good push here in the season, maybe try to really rise up on the table, get themselves maybe, just maybe, who knows, into the Europa League or maybe even into the Champions League. Obviously, they still have a good bit of distance to go there, but this move is a big one to them. I honestly think it's a good move. He has been playing pretty well for Frankfurt thus far this season. And so, hey, why not bring him over, keep him on a longer-term deal, and see what he can do. A good defender. He has played in 14 games. Not, you know, not every single game, but he has played in a good majority of Frankfurt's games this season, and so... He can continue to contribute to them. I think this is a good move, in my opinion. Looking over at the second big move of the ninth, it was a bit of a surprise. Leipzig sending Timo Werner to Tottenham Hotspur on a loan. Werner has been, obviously, one of Leipzig's top offensive players for a while. He is a guy you can definitely say is one of the faces of Red Bull's Leipzig. 
Um, he had a couple of years in Chelsea, actually kind of recently. But besides that, he has really his career has been defined as his time on Red Bulls Leipzig. He has been a staple of this team. And so, honestly, I was a bit of surprised to see him here. Uh, moving to Spurs. Spurs are, of course, trying to gear up, trying to get really anybody to help get their offense going so that way they can try and push for an assault on the top of the table because, after all, Spurs, despite being a t- big six team in the English Premier League, don't really have anything to show for it. And so picking up Werner, who, even though he hasn't had the best form this season, four goals and an assist in 21 games, not the best form overall, it is a big pickup. He has shown in the past that he can produce that offense that you're looking for. He has shown that he can do damage. And so, hey, take the flyer on him. He's only there for, you know, this coming, you know, this half of the season. And if it doesn't work out, he goes back to Leipzig and continues there. But honestly, this could be a good move. Werner can maybe strike up his form again in England. And then Spurs maybe just maybe can really take advantage of the offensive prowess. Who knows? Yesterday, though, had to have been probably one of the biggest moves this window. Uh, this was the one that definitely made headlines in the Bundesliga yesterday as Jaden Sancho was loaned out to Borussia Dortmund from Manchester United. The 23-year-old was once one of Dortmund's young rising stars, and he returns after a couple of strong seasons with Manchester United. However, this year has been a bit of an underwhelming one. He's only played in three games this season thus far, which is really not what you're looking for. Um, However, you know, he is very young. He has the chances to really show that offensive talent again. And honestly, he's going to have a very warm welcome back in Dortmund. Maybe this half of the season here in Dortmund will have a chance to get him back in form, try to revitalize so that way he shows that he is still a long-term, you know, option there in Manchester. But we shall see. Honestly, though, these last couple of years in Manchester, he's been playing very good. It's just that this year has not really been his year. The season has not been his season. Um, so I'm really hoping, really hoping for him. Of course, big, big, you know, this is a big surprise. The Bundesliga I was happy to see this, you know. You know, they're always happy to see these things. There's a big advertising thing, the return of Sancho after some time in England. So it's a big, big move. This one did, you know, for a loan, this is honestly like, you know, you usually don't see, you know, as much when it comes to a loan move, but it was a big one. There are also, you know, most of the transfers this window in the Bundesliga have been kind of low-key, so a move like this is one that you can really stir the pot with and see what happens. And hey, maybe Dortmund, they take advantage, they can try to rise up on the table. I just hope not too far, because after all, being a Bayer Leverkusen fan, just let this be the year. We just want to win one title, man. But we'll see. We'll see what happens, but honestly, this was definitely one of the more exciting moves. I was actually very surprised to see this happen, and it should bring some interesting results in the end. With that, we'll move on to our last subject of the day, the 2024 National Women's Soccer League Draft. It'll be kicking off in about 45 minutes, 6 o'clock tonight, Mountain Standard Time. Uh, Pretty much the format is four rounds of 14 picks, obviously, for the 14 teams now in the NWSL. First overall pick currently belongs to the Utah Royals. And, well, when it comes to first overall picks, there's actually major expectations for whoever is taken first overall. Because a good chunk of them, since 2013, have become very key contributors in the league. 
last year's first overall pick has been a major contributor to Angel City. And so honestly, a lot of pressure. First overall picks in any draft tend to have a lot of pressure. It's just kind of the nature of being the first overall pick. But I definitely think here in the NWSL, it's really rung true because you've just seen the form. There's been multiple examples of really good producers at the first overall pick. And so we're hoping whoever gets taken this year by Utah will also be an exciting player to watch. After Utah's first overall pick, their fellow expansion mate, Bay, Bay FC, currently hold the second overall pick. And then the lowly Chicago Red Stars, the worst team in the league this last season, hold the third overall pick. Utah also holds the fourth overall pick. And also of note is the fact that Bay themselves hold the eighth overall pick, both of those from trades. North Carolina Courage and Washington Spirit are the only other teams that currently have two picks in the first round whereas Orlando Pride, Portland Thorns, San Diego Wave, and the champions, New Jersey, New York Gotham, all have a pick in the first round. Gotham, of course, their pick being the last in the first round. Also of note, uh, this one actually kind of made me laugh a little bit. Utah is going to have a very busy second round as it stands. They have four picks in the second round of the draft. All of those trades that they had been making from the expansion draft and afterwards, it's been a very, very busy month, frankly, in the trades, they have really picked up a solid amount of draft capital. I'm going to be very honest. So they're going to have a busy second round, four out of the 14 picks there. And another highlight to me, Angel City doesn't have a first pick, a pick until the third round. So for a team like Angel City, they're going to have to be crafty with their whole whopping two choices. Um, Either way, it's going to be very interesting. Total of 56 picks on the board. We're going to see, obviously, I'm not really previewing much of the second, third, and fourth round because if it's anything like a draft in like the NFL whatsoever, any other draft process period in American sports, uh, we're probably going to see a good chunk of these picks moving around. We're going to see some different moves, what have you. Obviously, there have been a lot of moves throughout this winter break for the NWSL, but today is going to be a big day for moves. I'm going to try to tune in. It's like on ION, channel ION here in the United States, which that's an interesting decision. I don't know how to feel about that per se, but hey, I'll try to tune in, see at the very least the first round, because the first round usually tends to be very interesting no matter what league you are watching. So it's going to be interesting. I'm going to keep an eye on it. And of course, next week's episode, I will be having a recap, taking a look at the picks, some of the moves, see what happens. And from there, that's kind of like the last big, you know, event happening in this winter break for the NWSL from there just waiting until the 2024 campaign kicks off so it's going to be very interesting to say the least once again that is kicking off at 6 p.m mountain standard time um and if this episode does go up live as it should in about nine minutes about half an hour from the end of that so we shall see um that should be quite exciting to watch And so with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Second episode of It's Football, Not Soccer here in 2024. I'm excited. Um, First of all, a new semester of classes means more work to do, but also because of the fact that I will hopefully next week, beginning maybe, have access once again to that beautiful podcasting booth at the University of Arizona's Camp Student Radio. I only had one opportunity to use it last year. And that was the first episode and never again because of technical difficulties. 
So hopefully the podcasts that happen for the remainder of this semester, the next like 18 weeks, will have good, much better quality than the microphone I've had to improvise and adapt with over this last couple, you know, last about month or so. So here is very hoping on that. I'm very hopeful on that front. But also, I'm looking very much forward to the return of the two Bundesliga. I'm happy that Mexican football is back. The action comes back into act. You know, we're back in action. Seeing all the results, a lot of fun football to watch. So I'm very happy on that front as well. It's just a lot of things to look forward to. So a lot of things coming up. Going to be a good, you know, 2024 of football, in my honest opinion. Especially because we're going to see some pretty good stuff like the... I believe the Asian Cup is going on. It's kicking off soon. The African Cup of Nations is going to happen. The Copa America is going to happen. And you know when that happens, I am going to be here talking about it. So there's a lot of stuff. 2024, very hopeful year for it. I'm hoping to keep this going, keep the production going, see what happens. Once again, it's been a very much a joy recording this episode of It's Football Not Soccer. I will see you all next week with some exciting action. More football action, the NWSL draft, and all of that good stuff. So, and take care of yourselves, y'all. I'll see y'all next week. And once again, this has been another episode of It's Football, Not Soccer, with your host, Daniel Cervantes. I'll see y'all next week.